This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Let's go back in time to 1932 as Congress brings you historic footage of the legendary original Celtics with whom all great professional teams are compared. We have now taken over your radio. Richie Guerin is about to show you the most important step in getting past a man. It's the first one. An Oscar will inbound it. The men in green, the Milwaukee Bucks, that's Al Cinder against Bellamy. It has Jordan. Allen shakes three. Gets two! to go in the first quarter for the Cow Palace. Here's Barry. Jordan. Open. Chicago with the lead. Hello, and welcome back to the Over and Back Classic NBA podcast. I am Jason Mann. With me, as always, is Rich Krejci, and we are here with uh, Seth Partnow of Nylon Calculus. Seth, welcome back. Uh, good to be here. So we are continuing our top 50 series. Uh, Today we are going to look at Vince Carter and uh, basic breakdown for Vince. Um, He is 51st in win shares, 139th in win shares per 48, 50th in box score plus minus, and 27th in value over a placement player. On the Bill Simmons pyramid from his book, he is 89th. And in the slam 500 greatest players of all time, he is 99th. He had uh, one time was on the All-NBA second team, one time on the third team. Uh, one time he was in the top 10 in the league in win shares per 48, three times top 10 in value over placement player. Uh, he was a productive scorer, uh, probably the best dunker of his generation. I could probably even get rid of the probably there. Uh, he also, in later in his career, he transitioned into a very good role player, unlike some of his uh, high-scoring peers. Um, some of his negatives are that um, things did not go well at the end in uh, Toronto, and um, he did sort of peak early, and then didn't really uh, didn't really have many years sort of as with superstar production after his early years in Toronto. So, um, Seth, how do you feel about Vince Carter as a top fifty candidate? I think that the kind of the coda to his career has probably helped him, and I think that's a good thing. Uh, he was a guy who probably got a little unfairly maligned for not basketball stuff, um, almost in kind of the Chris Webber category of a of a guy who, quote unquote, should have been better. And so that that kind of uh, causes people to uh, undersell what he actually achieved. Um, and obviously, you have to give you know just in terms of, of of influence, kind of have to give a little bit of a bump there. And certainly in even through the mid 2000s, I mean, when you not that, you know, the, the kind of the polls of NBA players are always the most accurate barometer of anything. But he was always a guy who um, elicited almost somewhere between respect and fear from 
from his peers, like well past the time when that was maybe objectively warranted. So that has to count for something, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talked a little about his transition into a role player. I, I, you know, it hurts some of his overall numbers in some sense, but in terms of the way he, you know, the, the portrayal of him. Do you think that does help him a lot? I mean, I absolutely think it, it does because here's a guy who, yeah, if he if he rode off into the sunset, you know, after those New Jersey Nets years and, you know, whatever, 2006, 2007, that little era, it's similar to kind of Allen Iverson, how he just kind of petered out real quick. Instead, you know, he, he's, you know, went to Phoenix, had a pretty good year, you know, a few years, you know, a few as like a kind of a star and then more sort of transitioning into the role player, then goes to Dallas and is pretty much exclusively a role player. Now he's kind of bouncing around a little bit, but doing it, but it, it's... In the sense that I, I wonder for top 50 candidacy, I, I, I think it helps him in in our eyes of how we view him now. But as a top 50, I, I don't know. In terms of like trying to take his whole legacy and, and, and lump it in and all, everything he has, I don't know if it hurts or helps. I, I really don't. Yeah, so, I mean, I, go, go ahead, Seth. No, to the extent it takes some of the – like the, the narrative about him was uh, doesn't care enough about basketball. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's – a lot of that stuff gets, you know – I can only imagine how hot takey Twitter would have been about, you know, Vince Carter going to graduation or something like that. <laughs> um, but I think that the fact that he was able to, you know, become kind of this, this, this elder statesman and solid role player and, you know, morphing into someone who's going to be a fantastic, you know, TV analyst and stuff like that. I think it, it kind of uh, gives the lie to the notion that he didn't, he didn't care enough about basketball. And I think that, you know, when you, remove that as as part of well if he cared if he cared as much as he should have he would have been better uh when you remove that and can just you know examine what he did then that it it doesn't hurt him i'll say that i'll say it that way yeah well and and i think you know if you're going to compare him to sort of like a contemporary like um mcgrady and maybe even iverson to like a certain extent i mean um I think that the fact that he was able to hold on and have productive years toward the end of his career, like he didn't have the peaks of either of those guys, I don't think, but, but especially McGrady, but I do think that having that longevity and, and also, yeah, I think that the later part of his career, like you said, sort of rehab his image because it was really bad, like in the way he left Toronto and the way he basically admitted on quitting on the team. And I mean, his reputation was really, um, you know, not very good for a few seasons, um, even though, you know, he, he produced well, he was still, you know, very good. But I wonder if that you know, he I was surprised looking at it that he only made one, two all NBA teams, one second, one third. I, I was expecting, you know, a few more than that for being a guy who, um, you know, was considered a superstar for a while. Uh, and I don't know if maybe just that that was a little bit of voters holding that against him or, I, you, you I know, I mean, it has it, to be. Yeah. It has to, yeah. Yeah, I mean, because even in New Jersey, and even um, that year in Orlando, he produced pretty well. That team kind of fell apart a little bit, but um, but um, you know they, but but still, I mean, he, you know, and then you know that transition to the role player stuff that was a little bit of a rough transition at first, but he definitely did well. You know, I guess the the question is, is it better to burn out or fade away? And that's a you know, I I, I don't think he was. I'm trying to remember. I think it was Nate Duncan was talking with Kevin Pelton about uh, uh, on their their podcast um, last week about the greatest teams of all time, and, and the topic of Kareem came up and how like Kareem, you know, spent a decade as a very good but no longer great player, and how that kind of uh, maybe detracts a little bit from from you know the perception of. And then you look and see what he did in the seven, like 
you know, this is like 1988 when he's still like a solid player. And then you look at what he did in like 1972 and how absurdly dominant he was. Not comparing Vince Carter to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, but sure. kind of how that the um, kind of the late model, you know, hit hit timely big shots. Vince Carter um, maybe obscures some of the images of the uh, the score in any way imaginable, plus dunk in your face kind of late 90s, early 2000s version of, of the player, which was, you know, a, a, a fairly terrifying offensive force. Yeah. Uh, a few, I'll do real quickly his, uh, his comparables, you know, air position, uh, and then, you know, obviously just his position all time. Uh, 11th in points per 36 is air in position. Uh, 29th in win shares per 48. He does a lot better in uh, the raw stats, so 7th in uh, overall win shares, and then 6th in uh, value over replacement player. Uh, position all time, of course, is shooting guard. Um, 31st in points through 36, uh, 46th in win shares per 48, 15th in win shares, and 12th in value over replacement players. So, you know, not elite level stuff, but but pretty solid. And, and a guy who, again, like I, I agree, Jason, with you that it, it's you, you look at like the all NBA teams and you think of a guy who from, you know, 2000 until I mean, really pretty much 2005 was a super productive player and, and, and did a lot, you know, on the court, did a lot, you know, and, and just didn't really see much reward for it you kind of have to wonder if there is something in terms of, of, of the way he was, because especially, you know, the conference he was in as well. I, he was in, you know, a week East and was able to really, really, really stand out in, in terms of, especially in those Toronto years, really stand out as one of the best players in that conference during, you know, that period. And yet doesn't seem to really get many of the rewards for it on, on, on either end. So it's, it's, it's very interesting. Uh, I, I, I don't know about him though. Top 50 candidate. I, I, one of my favorite players of all time, a guy that I loved, you know, watching those videos, you know, the early, you know, downloading, you know, pirate, videos on you know napster kazaa whatever the hell <laughs> terrible spyware program i was <laughs> i was downloading them out where i was like ooh, a dot exe of vince carter dunks like this will be good and then, oh crap i now have a horrible virus all over my computer but uh you know yeah i used to get videos of all the time and you know i have a jersey and he's one of my favorite players growing up but you know overall looking at, at, at a top 50 i i don't know i i he, he'd be a tough one he'd be really really tough for me to say yes uh i i i pretty safely have him out of that top 50, but, but I'm, I'm curious on your guys' thoughts. So here's the thing is, you know, the way Vince Carter gets talked about is almost like a, a glorified, more athletic Jamal Crawford. And I think that's, you know, selling short, like all, all the other things he did. I mean, if you look at, you know, through his peak, he's averaging, you know, six, six boards, four, four assists a game from a, yeah. from a wing spot. And that's, you know, that's, that's, he's, he's doing much more than just scoring. Uh, and, and, you know, that, I think that those things that, that kind of uh, the other things he brought to the table, and this is, uh, kind of get lost amidst kind of the, the, you know, the, the Toronto stuff and the dunking and, and, and the, the scoring tech, uh, pyrotechnics is how, you know, just good and all around basketball player he was in terms of his, his feel for the game and his playmaking and, and just ability to kind of do things on the court beyond just scoring. You know, and that's, um, it, you know, I'm, I don't know if I'm necessarily advocating him for, for top 50 of all time, but I feel like the, those things need to be, you know, discussed and, and recognized that he was much more than just this, like, um, you know, superstar score that it, 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 through and even a little bit past his prime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I just I was kind of looking at some of the guys that he was behind um, for his career. And obviously, you know, once LeBron, because I mean, I guess he's sort of in the guard or forward spots, depending on the season. So once LeBron is in, he's going to be behind him. Um, He's going to be behind Kobe. Uh, obviously there's the rise of Nash, there's Iverson, there's arenas for a few years, there's Dwayne Wade, uh, Chauncey Billups, McGrady. So, uh, you know, like he, he certainly belonged in, in, you know, relatively in that class or relatively close to that class. But I do think like, you know, Paul Pierce, I mean, a bunch of guys who like, I can't say that he definitely should have beaten them, you know, I mean, maybe here and there, but you know, he's behind a really high caliber group of guys too. So yeah, I, I mean, I, he definitely, there are probably individual times where he could have been voted in those teams, but you know, looking at kind of who was, it doesn't look too ridiculous to me. That's fair. Yeah. But, I mean, it, it, but, but, but which is sort of like, I, it's not necessarily like an argument against him. It's just more like, you know, either, even if he's not, even if he's not being punished because of that, or even if he is like you know, the crop of guys that he's behind, like it's, it's just a really tough group of guys, you know, um, and he, you know, he's still really good in, in that group. But um, I just I hadn't looked at that closely before. But just looking at it, like, wow, we we were very blessed in the late 2000s and, you know, even onward for the quality of play we've had in, in the league. So um, let's see. Anything else, Rich or Seth? Uh, not really. Yeah. Seth, do you have anything? Uh, no, I mean, you have to, you know, you're talking about Vince Carter. I mean, you're, you talked to, but uh, I think everyone, when you when you kind of amended your to, to no longer the probably uh, the, the best dunker of his era, I think everyone in their mind's eye was making the it's over sign from from his first <laughs> dunk in that in, in that in that dunk contest. And so that's the kind of just the indelible imagery of, of that contest. And, you know, the dunk over leaping over Frederick Weiss and. Um, maybe you'll, you'll, you'll be able to remember this one, but my personal favorite of his, of mine was when he was in, in New Jersey and he just, um, like a, the, a ball came out to him on, on like a, like an offensive rebound. And he like to gather the ball, he goes behind the back with it, then comes down the lane and like goes chest to chest with Alonzo morning yeah, and yeah. Zoe falls and he cocks it back and just like. It's an explosion. Yeah, yeah. a nuke goes off yeah, in that arena. Yeah, and yeah. that's and then that's um, you know, and that was you know, slightly past you know, uh, overall athletic peak Vince Carter. He could still like like bring that one back, and that's that. Well, well, what's funny? Oh, oh sorry, not, not to interrupt. Yeah. But it's, it's kind of funny where where you know a lot of us remember, you know, myself included, those Toronto Raptors years. You see all these videos, and you look up uh, Vince Carter highlights or whatever, and all, you see. The first thing you think of is a lot of Toronto stuff. You might think of that one Zoe thing in New Jersey. If you watch like an overall video of his dunks, I mean, he was still a really good dunker. You know, even in New Jersey, he was still a great slasher. And people just sort of, for whatever reason, decided after he left Toronto, he just became, you know, not as athletic, kind of, a, you know, the bomb. He didn't care about winning. He didn't do all this sort of stuff. And none of it's at true whatsoever. No. When you watch these videos, and a lot of his dunks in New Jersey are everybody as good as the ones in Toronto. But just the fact that he was such a dynamo when he, when he first came out with Toronto that people sort of assume – Oh man, you know, after those first, you know, five years or three or four years or whatever, you know, Vince didn't quite have the the jump he used to. And you see stuff like that where the guy is, I mean, if you slow down that dunk over Zoe, he's elbow above the rim still, and he's, you know, 
in his late peak at that point, you know, quote unquote. It's just insane. It, it's funny how a lot of narrative can sort of surround a guy. And I think you, you get that a lot with Vince Carter. He's very heavy in that where people just decided this guy was a quitter and, you know, stop being athletic, stop being as dynamic as he used to be. And he was always kind of the same. Like he didn't really change all that much. It's just kind of funny how, how they can kind of go that way. It, 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 the guys who kind of, I think we see that a lot, guys who kind of reach that, you know, you talked about the guys, you know, there's, there's that, that strata of like, you know, the 10 guys you're expecting to finish the all-star game maybe is kind of where, where you, you'd, you'd put it. And the guys who bubble up to just below that, they kind of tend to get replaced in our, in our consciousness by kind of the new hotness, you know, even though without them necessarily going in. And, and this happened, I think this happened to Paul Pierce, another guy you mentioned, and he just, he had the good fortune of kind of, of, of that, that 08 Celtics team coming together around him and to kind of, you know, uh, rejuvenate the idea of, of him as kind of a winner. Uh, and that and that was something that never necessarily really happened for, for Carter as much. Yeah, and I would and that would you know, I, I would put Pierce ahead of Carter in the, um, you know, sort of in my tier. If I'm, you know, if I'm thinking about it, he would definitely be a guy who I would probably put in first. And, and probably that has a strong, uh, you know, role in that i mean if he um if that hadn't happened for pierce you know i, I might definitely might i definitely would look at him differently i don't know if I, how much i would look at him differently but i definitely would look at him differently and that's and that on one hand that's fair because i mean that's that's something pierce achieved sure. but the, on the other hand that's that's an opportunity that that i don't think that necessarily through any fault of his own you know kind of in his late prime carter was never in in that kind of spot I mean, yeah, that's com- that's completely fair. Um, yeah, at age thirty, in um, for the Nets uh, in 07, he averaged uh, twenty five six and almost five on, um, and then any on uh, he shot thirty five percent from uh, from three point line. So you know, he he could he could fill it he up. He could still bring it. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Um, anything else? I have nothing. All right. Well, um, thank you again, Seth, for uh, joining us. And you can uh, find us at uh, hardwoodparoxysm.com. And um, it, and also you can check out our uh, new forums at overandbacknba.com where we uh, chat about a lot of uh, classic NBA basketball. So uh, check that out. We're also on Twitter at overandbacknba and Facebook at the same. So uh, until next time, thanks for listening. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.